Hey, what's up, world? Hope everybody's having an amazing week. Live here from episode eight here on our platform on a culture conversation. I am your host, Twin GQ. But before we get into our unique conversation, I wanted to just spread the good word. I know it's it's tough right now in Toronto with the the pandemic and the lockout, but to all the aspiring business leaders as well as entrepreneurs, uh, just just keep fighting, and you know we have your support here. So um, we're gonna turn to our our guest now, um, somebody that I you know look up to in the creative space, and I'll let him introduce himself. What's up, yeah. bro? How you doing, man? Nice to see you. For sure, for sure. Thanks for stopping by, bro. For sure. So um, before we start a conversation, you know, I want to give you an opportunity to kind of, you know, share who you are to our audience. Those of, you know, those that don't know who you are, what you do, just kind of tap into that before we get sure. in. Sure. Yeah. My name's Anish Bala and, you know, I've been a part of the basketball community in Toronto since I was 12 years old. You know, we're going back to 1993. Um, just grew up in the city. The, saw a lot of players, played on a lot of teams. Um, and then more recently got into, you know, the basketball content side. Uh, as early as like 2010. Okay, okay. So you you know you were a player back in your time. Uh, wh- where did you go? What school did you go to for high school and stuff? So I grew up in Mississauga. And, okay, so- uh, Saga City. Yes, sir. West Side. Okay, that's what's and uh, I went to Streetsville High School, and um, you know that's back when we had OAC. So there was five years. Oh, okay. A high school. Yeah. And um, you know I started playing senior in grade 11, so I had three years, but we had a a strike. In my grade 12 year oh that's crazy yeah so the strike you know basically took a year of eligibility away um yeah so that's what's up yeah so you in your last year then you didn't get to play so where were you playing when it wasn't school were you like playing aau or just around the city i mean back then there wasn't aau uh there were rep programs and usually it's just like one program per city like now you have multiple yeah you know programs in every city there yeah. like you had mississauga monarchs uh, and I was playing for Oakville Mad Dogs, which was like a brand new team, which had a bunch of guys that I just kind of grew up with and uh, some big some big dudes on our team as well. Yeah, that's what's up, bro. So um, we're going to tap into, obviously, before you getting into the, the content side with the Pivot TO, I want to get started with, um, you know, how you got introduced to giving back to the game of basketball. So I know you played a little bit of pro in your time. Not pro, no. I played semi-pro in Malaysia. So I went out to Malaysia in 2008 to teach. Nice. I got a job at a university there uh, in their business department. And then, you know, I was, I'm a hooper. So I found out where yeah. the closest gym was, started playing. They invited me here. They invited me there. I got a trial for a team and, you know, made one of the semi-pro teams there, nice. which, which was a cool experience. It's, it's, it's different playing out in Asia, though. Yeah, I was going to say, like, what was the, the, the basketball culture like out there? Because I recently, last um, last year, I actually went to the Philippines, and mm-hmm. the culture out there is, is crazy, bro. They love it out, out there more than out here, I think. So just talk about that experience, what it was like playing out there and the fans and, you know, the culture shock for you. Malaysia wasn't like the Philippines. Like the Philippines, I think it's his national sport. Is yeah, basketball. absolutely. Uh, Malaysia's national sport is futsal, which is like in four on four indoor soccer game. Mm. And so everyone was soccer fiends there. Um, there wasn't much of a culture there. And to be honest, when I got there, there was a lot of racism there. Oh, crazy. Overt racism, which you're not used to dealing with because there are three main kind of people in Malaysia. There's like the Bahasa Malay. They're like the aboriginals. Mm. There's the Indians from South India who all migrated to Malaysia who are like the working class, kind of like 
blue collar but also in kind of like crime as well mm. and then the white collar is more like the chinese people who came over yeah everyone playing basketball was chinese and then you had this indian guy who they kind of you know put with a certain stereotype so yeah. some guys wouldn't pass me the ball sometimes referees would call foul i wasn't even near the play it was, it was wild it that's, was wild that's crazy bro yeah. but um how was the competition out there was you know was there a lot of good guys or what was the style of play like was it more uh up up tempo or was it more like half court offense <clears throat> it was definitely up tempo um there were a number of, like uh african guys who were here studying in malaysia for school who got put on that team so yeah. those guys could hoop the the guys from malaysia played you know just a weird physical style it's just like it was raw it was like yeah you know it's like the first generation playing they're just looking at a tv no one's really there to teach them the fundamentals mm -hmm. they're not getting any proper instruction so yeah it was it was kind of wild yeah that's crazy because like even in the philippines too bro like they really play that um og mentality in terms of like no easy buckets no they play tough because they're, they're playing for a different reason you know they're playing to eat they're playing uh, to feed their family so they're they're wise a little bit greater here mm -hmm. obviously you know throughout the, t uh, the evolution of time like even in the nba you know it's a little bit more like soft and you know it's not like the old school so yeah um after your playing career then um you you come back to canada and you started uh teaching over there at uh, metro prep right exactly yeah yeah so kind of talk a little bit about that and you know being a uh, part of you know one of the first um canadian um, or ontario based prep schools in the city yeah so uh yeah so i was in malaysia from january 2008 to august mm. and i got back like and i and just previous to that i finished my uh masters in adult education so i had a teaching degree a master's no one was hiring in january right so yeah I, I graduated in december so no one was hiring in january so i took this opportunity out out in asia but i came back in august and um i had an, a phone interview from malaysia came back had an in-person interview at metro prep my first year there you know that was just my first year teaching kind of yeah. getting used to teaching as a whole yeah but at the end of my first year um my principal said that uh he wants to form basically like a scholarship program mm. for for and build a basketball program you know for kids who can really benefit from this small school environment mm. and um and yeah he wants to build like kind of a notoriety as like you know this is the prep school for sports yeah yeah and it's crazy because back at that time that was uh 2008 i believe right so back at that time there was like minimal to no like infrastructure for prep you see now there's like a million and one prep schools especially down here in canada so um you know talk about that um you guys kind of paving the way and you know some of the players that were involved in that process to kind of like you know elevate the brand of you know metro prep at that time 100 percent. and you know to start that story you know i have to start start by talking about phil dixon who was like a personal mentor of mine you know he's one of the greatest players ever to come out of this city yeah and uh, i met him in high school he was like one of my trainers in high school this is before training was a thing and um yeah so phil i reached out to phil as soon as my principal told me this i reached out to phil because he had a program out in mississauga called the mississauga wolverines oh yeah for sure i know the wolverines yeah. yeah and so you know phil built that up and he had a bunch of guys on that team who he's like yeah this will be great for them you know some of the names there are matthew atui he attended auburn university jaron yeah. skeet at skeet. buffalo yeah yeah richard adu at siena yeah jamar thompson at simon frazier uh tejor riley who went to uh mcgill nice. um yeah we had some we had some ballers there and um but we had that first year i had seven scholarship players 
two kids who were paying tuition to go. So I had, you know, nine kids and we had nowhere to play. I had the Ontario referees come and meet us at the school and basically say, this is unheard of. This is unprecedented. Yeah. You cannot, you cannot play in any officer sanctioned game or tournament. If wow. you do, you will be disqualified and everyone who plays you will be disqualified. That's crazy. So we, I basically built a 50 game exhibition uh, schedule. Wow. Anyone who play us, we yeah. play anywhere. So, so where, where were you playing though? Were you playing at your gym or just local gyms? We didn't even have a gym in Metro Prep. Wow. So we had, we had, you know, a half, imagine a half court. You could not host a game there. So we rented a community center down the street. Okay. This is at like Don Mills and Eglinton. And that was still pretty small. Mm. And, you know, we were renting it, you know, four days a week for practice and games. So we were hosting games there. Yeah. But majority of the time we would go play at tournaments. We played at the Pine Ridge tournament. We yeah. played at uh, Rim Rocker. Okay. I, I, Xavier out in um, Saga. Saga. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a big one. Yeah. Pine Ridge. Uh, we played out in Ottawa. You know, we, we, we played in a bunch of them, right? And, yeah. uh, you know, these kids. So Jaron went from there. That year he went on to play prep at Wasatch Academy. Mm. Um, but there was, there was no prep schools that year. The next year... Rita, that Rita program, yeah, the regional elite yeah, next development, level. yeah, next level in those programs. Those those ones started coming. So then we had a four game, four team, uh, league, mm. four 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 prep teams. Yeah, right. It's nothing like you see now. Yeah, everyone was raw. You know, none of the real big names were there because they were going down to the states. At that's the time. then that's the thing, right? Back in that time, like. Yeah. If you wanted that extra exposure, you had to go south to the border. Yeah. You're playing national televised games. You have a national schedule. You know, you're getting that influx of, you know, talent at the D1 level as well, right? So I feel like now in the in the space and the climate that we're in with sports, you see a lot of more opportunities provided or allotted to the Canadian athletes. You talk about guys like Corey Joseph, Tristan Thompson, um, one good guy that we just seen a documentary of, uh, Mike Cabongo, also one of the guys that opened... Um, or pave the way for the future yep. generation of athletes, especially in the prep school system. 100%. You know, and um, even in Canada now with um, Athletes Institute and um, what's that next one over there? Orangeville Prep. Yep. They got a lot of guys that made the jump to go to the NBA. Yeah, they definitely created a pipeline there. But, uh, you know, at like back in 08, I, I look back and like I was in over my head. I was I had like Jim Beeline calling me from Michigan on the phone. I'm eating my lunch. I'm like, hello. I miss high coach be like yeah. I was like a little kid right yeah. like this is I was starstruck by like by some of the people I was talking to and some of the things these kids were doing I was starstruck yeah. and uh, I'm so happy that I had Phil you know he was by my side making me a better coach yeah. you know he was he was there the whole time and um yeah it was it was great it was a good experience yeah shout out to Phil Dixon one time one yeah, of the man. greatest Canadian basketball players you know of all time so yeah. shout out to him I have one uh, time. so many Phil Dixon stories man I don't know if you want to hear any yeah I mean you know I heard a lot in my times just about how much of a beast he was on the court you know and uh, it's you know and I would say there's that part to him but like the Phil I knew is like man he provides so many opportunities for so many people like exactly what I said he did for these kids he didn't think twice mm. it was nothing in it for him he's like hell yeah these kids will you know some yeah. of these kids were failing out of high school like they yeah. were going to carter leger in brampton yeah. they were going to brampton centennial yeah um and some of them were failing and like he did the same thing for me there was opportunities he provided me 
you know, he got me into a Nike commercial when I was 16. Jeez, that's what's up. Where, where's that commercial at? I got to check it out. It's on my IG. I got to check at that Switch out. Gangs. It's on Switch Gangs. Yeah, uh, that's what's up. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he didn't think twice about it. Just hook. He's like, yo, you got to be here tomorrow. Uh, my mom's came. Him and my mom's were like this. Uh, that's yeah. what's up. And um, yeah, man, he gave, he provided so many opportunities to me. Yeah, that's what's up. So um, after the Metro Prep era, um, I guess at that time, you're probably in your early, no, late 20s, I would say. So then when did the whole culmination of the pivot to kind of sure. take place? Um, I left Metro Prep that, uh, that June. So it was uh, June of 2010. No, I'm sorry. It was June of 2009. And I was looking for something to do. I was kind of looking. There was no jobs in public school at the time. Yeah. So I was looking for like a pivot into another direction. So I started going into more corporate training, adult education. Yeah. But it was a hard transition. So it took me like a good you know, six, seven months. And, um, in that time I took a few, you know, blind jump shots, like hail Mary's. Like I reached out to the direct, the new director of marketing at Canada basketball. This was around December, 2009. This is before, this is before they were viral videos. Mm -hmm. This is like the beginning of YouTube. Yeah. No Instagram. Yeah. Wow. Right. I'm talking, this is early yeah. and no one was putting content on their websites. This was still a new idea that like you can host video on your website. Yeah. And so I reached out to her and I'm just like, yo, let's do something together. Hook me up for a job. She told me Canada basketball is not the place to work. Like they don't, there's, there's not a lot of funding for Canada basketball, but she's like, let's do something on the side. Yeah. And so I pitched her just literally um, talking absolute out of my ass. I pitched her this idea to like, let's do a viral video on an event you have coming and we'll cut it into a few different type of things. And uh, I connected, I didn't have a, she's like, yeah, let's do it. We're going to do Rowan Barrett is hosting an, uh, a talent ID session in, in uh, three weeks. I'm like, cool, done. I had no videographer. I had zero <laughs> experience with anything video. That was yeah. my first thing. So I went on Craigslist. I posted this thing. And I got so many people hitting me back. But there was one guy who just had like this passionate, real passionate, um, you know, email to me. And I told him like, there's no, there's no money in this. But yeah. I guarantee you that we're going to do such a good job that they're not going to say, they, they're not going to, they can't say no. And we'll be like, let's do more, but you got to pay us. Yeah, exactly. That so just kind of showing your value. That's exact. And that's what we had to do. So I, his name is Jay Irving and me and him hit it off really well. And, um, yeah, we shot that and we cut a bunch. We cut three different versions. We cut a, uh, a one minute version. We cut, um, a 12 minute longer version. And then mm -hmm. we cut a 30 second kind Spe of yeah, commercial. Yeah, for sure. And that 30 second commercial, I attempted to get it viral. And it, the next week I'm watching, um, uh, the score. Yeah. And my commercials on the score. That's crazy. There's no money. Yeah. No one's paying me anything. Yeah. But I guess they have this, they have a, like a, like a partnership with Canada basketball. Yeah. And at the time the score, cause that was the Toronto Raptor arrow at Vince, yeah. I believe. So the and score so I'm, was, I, like, yeah. that was big for me. Like my yeah. thing, like all of a sudden is on there. Like we made my, my, my cousin back in Saga, Chalet, he made original beats. They were bananas. Like yeah. the beats he was making, we were just doing it together. Yeah. And it was such a creative process. I loved it. I loved every second of that creative process. So, so like, I didn't know I needed that creative outlet. I love basketball, but mm -hmm. like this thing was like so new and exciting to me. Yeah. So obviously being the guy, um, you know, directing it at that point in time in your career, 
did that kind of, you know, spark the idea to now say, okay, I can now open up my own thing of, you know, the pivot TO. No, there was a long, okay. So, so where I, did that go? What did that sure. do for you in the industry, um, the creative industry of, you know, the content space yeah. from, you know, now you're going into Canada basketball now and you're shooting an opportunity and a film there. And now you're on the scores or you're seeing the, the advantage and you're seeing the value in what you're doing. Yep. So what's that next step like for you? It's a, it was an exciting time. So this is a time in Canada basketball when our junior national team was made up of Andrew Wiggins, Tyler Ennis, Andrew Bennett, you know, Negus, you know, Stefan Yankovic, Dwayne Notice. Yeah. You know, the guys. Yeah, that's, guys. My, that, that's like my era. Yeah, that's like my right? era. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And so... They, it happened exactly the way I said it was going to be. They started paying us to mm. do more videos. Yeah. So we did one for the national team. Jay got to fly out to Vancouver. They were playing uh, China for an exhibition game. So he, we got, you know, we got paid for that one. That's a suck. We did one for the junior national team. Got to interview Wiggins. Yeah. You know, back in the day. And then me and Jay. So like we were doing these, we were getting paid, and then me and Jay were trying to get in with Mike and. Um, um, Tristan? No, I'm sorry. Mike George and uh, who, who? Oh, Tony. Tony, I'm Tony's, sorry. Yes, yeah. Tony. Bounce. And so we connected with a uh, production company called um, Adelaide Avenue Productions. And we pitched them this idea of, because the junior national team were going to go to Brazil. Yeah, Rio. Rio. Yeah. The road to Rio. Yeah. I and so we that. pitched on this idea of the road to Rio. And we we're like, these guys are going to the NBA. Yeah. Like Denzel Taylor was on that team. Yeah. Um, they were crazy. Like it was it was bananas. Um and so we we they were they got on board. And so they're like, if we can convince Mike and do and um, Tony. And Tony, we're yeah. gonna we're gonna do it. And so uh, we got Mike and Tony there, but they had kind of other plans for it. They yeah. wanted to do more of a like a series. Yeah, no one was really doing that type of series at the time, um, and and you know this production company just wasn't with it. And oh, so okay. I came. You know, they were all. I still remember Mike and Tony left, and these guys were all upstairs talking. I'm like in my head. I'm like these guys are idiots. Yeah, those two are the people to follow. Yeah. So I left those guys. I ran down and I told Mike and Tony. Because I, I have a personal relationship with Mike. Mike played at York with one of my best friends. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, his era. name is Amar Ascari. And so, yeah. you know, I've known Mike since back in the day. Yeah. And so I'm like, Mike, you know me. I, I wasn't here trying to hustle you. Like, this was, this was going to be big. Yeah, but if you guys idea. have other plans, we need to be the guys involved. Yeah. Right? And so th nothing really panned out in terms of a documentary on that side. But there was talks. Of, there was talk stuff that we chatted about. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And um, I think I've seen, like, Vice Sports did a special on that yes. and stuff like that. But, um. Hey, man, you know, like I said, it, it opened, you know, the door with the Pivot TO. So yep. talk a little bit about that and the combination of that and where you, um, you know, got an opportunity to tap in with different players from different eras. Sure. So um, if I could, I'll just continue. So like from there, um, me and Jay started charging different people in the basketball community for content. So mm. um, Kyle Julius, him and his dad, they were doing like a training thing. So we, you know, we did some stuff with him. Yeah. We did some stuff with uh, some other people. And then I contacted, this is when we had the OBA. Or was it OBA? CBA? Some, an old, oh, NBL. Okay, and there was the Oshawa Power. You remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, a couple of my, two played on that team. Yes. Yeah, two of them, my boy, um, 
Man, what's the name? Papa played on that team too. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. I reached out to them because they were the closest NBL team to be like, let's do some content. Let's do yeah. a day in a life. No one was doing a day in a life. Yeah. Right. And like, it'd be dope. You know, you can go viral. Um, and the marketing manager for the Oshawa Power, who I was talking to, was Drew Ebanks. Mm. And so Drew is like, yo, you know, they don't have the budget for this, but I love what you guys are doing. Let's let's go for coffee. So I met Drew. You know, this is like 2012 yeah. at a coffee shop at Jarvis and Front Street. And that's where On Point, you know, that's where we created On Point. Wow. We talked about it together and we, were, we just started hashing out ideas. Both of us had so much knowledge about it. And he's like, he's like I want to do something that has, you know, content, more intimate content, interviews. Yeah. But I want to live stream. No one's doing live stream. Yeah. I want this to be like you know, the YouTube of basketball. That's yeah. what his idea was. Yeah. And so, you know, we, we hashed it out there and then me, Jay and Drew shot the first few. Like Jay was, mm -hmm. Jay Irving ended up being like the first shooter for a lot of those long version um, on point videos. So like yeah. when they went to uh, Oregon, when um, I think they were playing in the Jordan Classic, Tyler Ennis and yeah, Andrew yeah, Wiggins. Yeah. And then the, um, the Hoop Summit as well. Exactly, yes. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, that was all like Jay who shot that and like, at the time, I was going through, you know, my own thing personally. My mom was sick and my mom passed away. So, you know, I took a step back. You know, I got married at this, around the same time. And then I had my daughter, you know, a year later. So a lot of stuff happened in my life. So, you know, Drew and Jay really ran and built on point, you know, and I was, I, I ended up being a spectator, but super happy for them to do that. Yeah, for sure. And, and then, um, you know, getting to the pivot around in 2017, you know, my dad passed away in July and I was pretty bummed out for most of the year. You know, heading into, um, you know, heading into like 2018, and then I found out in December I'm gonna have my son in in July, and I'm like, I gotta get out of this. And, you know, being creative was like so good for me. Yeah. You know, you know when you're like stuck in a rut, and like every day, you know, you're just getting home, you're watching a show. You know, the next day you come home, and like it's just you're stuck in a rut, and you yeah. need something a creative outlet. So I'm like, I needed to do something. Yeah. So I connected with another friend of mine, David who is um, one of my best friends, Ben's his little brother. And, uh, you know, we just started hashing out ideas. And I'm like, um, we need to do like a first, something artistic. Yeah. Something that like a painter or a ballerina can relate to. So it's not going to be about basketball. It's not going to be a training video. It's going to be someone's story that's so relatable and injury, you know, falling out of love with the game. Yeah. You know, things like that that are so relatable that Absolutely. anyone can relate to. But it's going to be in the backdrop of 90s hip hop. And the content of the episode is going to dictate the song that's in the background. Mm. And so I have, I, you know, I play at Harborfront. That's my, that's my spot. Those shout are my guys, out, right? Shout out to Harborfront. All the Harborfront alum, you know, yep. shout out to everybody. Yep. And so my boy Capo, who's a legend, you know, he started telling me a story about, you know, uh, I was telling you about the strike previously, right? Yeah, yeah the, o the OAC the strike. The OAC strike. Well, yeah. I was in grade 12 for me. Yeah. He was in grade 10, going to grade 11, and he went to Central Tech, and he was telling me how that strike hit him so hard he was ready to come and ball out. They won the junior championship for Toronto. Yeah. And he was ready. He trained. He was ready. And there was a strike. And, you know, that year he ended up dropping out of high school. Like yeah. you think about like the, the consequences of that. Yeah. And so that was the first episode. And, you know, we, we did it to the backdrop of like Jay-Z's The Evils. It just seemed to be fitting, right? It was like yeah. The Evils of the time just yeah. pulled you in. And so, you know, we got such we got a lot of good uh, feedback from that episode. Yeah, and I've seen um, the one thing that I've seen on the come up, because that was for me when I was actually 
in I think I was in New York at the time and I was seeing like a lot of people's stories coming out on the pivot. I'm like, damn, what's this pivot thing about? And I seen you did one, you did a couple, you did uh, my boy Randy. Yes. And then you did um I believe you did Toot as well. Not Toot, no, I did Randy. No, no, um Antwi, sorry Antwi, about that. Yes. Yeah. So when I seen that I'm like, oh, like this is this is going, this is this is this is what's up. Like this is good. And I seen the the thing that I liked about it is you kind of got a perspective from a different generation. So you had the OG era, then you had the golden moment or like the, the golden era of, of, you know, basketball. And then you had like where it was going, you know. So talk about how you were able to kind of go, um, you know, to previous generations and kind of, you know, turn to the current generation as we're speaking about. Yeah. You know, there was a few things that was interesting about the pivot. Number one, uh, we didn't make it on YouTube. Everyone was having like a show on YouTube. Excuse me. And uh, we decided to have it on Instagram. This is when Instagram video allowed you to have a minute. And we're yeah. like, can a show live on Instagram in these small digestible episodes? This is before stories, right? This is basically what the concept of a story is, right? Mm -hmm. Like a small thing. And so, you know, that's what we did. We, we had it on Instagram. That was important for us. And then we wanted to get five episodes in the bag. And so, you know, I'm a part of the community. I had Capo. Capo connected me to Kevin Messiah. Mm -hmm. uh, Kevin Messiah, you know, he told a story about an injury when he played at Wisconsin Green Bay. Yeah. You know, we had that one. And so we wanted to shoot five. Then we shot David Tyndale. You know, that's the saga connection. Yeah. And then I reached out blindly to Dwayne Watson. He agreed to do it. Uh, this is before we released anything, right? And so he was nice enough to do it. Uh, he told a story about, you know, he was a music in music before he was in basketball and he was a music exec for Sony making, you know, six figures a year. And he oh, left wow. that for, as he describes, you know, a sport he loves in a market that doesn't give a shit about, you know, basketball yeah. at the time. And, uh, you know, he was nice enough to do it. He connected me with a keel and then I had drew on, you know, drew ready to go. So, yeah. you know, those are my guys and like who just agreed to do it. And once we released it, we're like, we're going to release it every week. And, you know, that year in 2018, we released 50 episodes in 52 weeks. Yeah. You know, it was, we were relentless. Yeah, yeah, for and, sure. And we would do one. And so we, we kind of had like a buffer with those five because then we were just shooting uh, in between those weeks. And, you know, everyone we reached out to was like just down. Yeah, for sure. And um, I'm going to ask you a question on the spot. What was your favorite episode that you got to direct in that process? Yeah, there were two, I think. Number one, uh, one of my best friends, Amr, he teaches at North Albion. And, you know, Amr played, Amr is known in the older basketball community, but he's not famous like some of the other guys. But Amr came into Naki and has become, you know, a superstar role model for these kids. Like wow. the basketball kids, cr kids who play cricket, kids who are in computer science. He's a he's a he's an athlete. He's a cool guy. But he is like, you know, he's helping build the self-esteem of like everyone. So he talks about how hard it is growing up, you know, in Mount Olive and Jamestown. Yeah. Right. That's that's not an easy place to grow up. But like what they're trying to do, you know, give them a sanctuary at the school who, you know, who's had a bad rep. Yeah. Absolutely. For a long time. And, and it's crazy because back in, in those times, you know, the kids had no positive outlets, you know. So I feel like sports and, you know, social activity programs and stuff like that give them something to kind of look forward to. You know, there's that part of it. There's also a part that like, you know, our athletes from the, you know, from the nineties who were playing CIS cause there was no pipeline to the NCAA. Th their way to give back was to be teachers. A lot of the guys from the nineties were teachers. And so they opened programs. They became the coaches who then started the prep programs 
who became who got the kids in the NCAA who who are now coming back and are trainers, right? And now you're seeing the pipeline to the NBA. It was an evolution, right? Um, but yeah, yeah, that's that's crazy. But we look at it now, and you know, you see a lot of Canadians being represented in the NBA. So we're gonna turn a little to that. What sure. is your thoughts on the upcoming NBA season, and you know, who is the teams that you're riding for? You know, I'm riding for Raps. Come but, on, man, be real. Well, you know, you ask me who I'm riding for. I'm riding for the Raps. I'm sad about Ibaka. Yeah. Um, but if you're asking me who's gonna be in the finals, it's gonna be Lakers, Brooklyn. Okay, so you're 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 strong on Brooklyn. Yo, I mean, if KD and Kyrie are healthy, they got Jeff Green. Yeah. Right. They got Dinwiddie. They got Kar- Karis Levert. Yo, they're they're looking solid. Yeah, they're gonna be legit. But the East, like I said, the Eastern Conference is kind of up for grabs now. You know, the Raptors obviously will not be a powerhouse. I don't think. I don't. They're um, not gonna be a powerhouse. They'll think, be third or fourth. Uh, I I don't know, bro. I think probably like top six for sure. Cause like they they gave up the middle. Like you know, no defensive power. You got a guy in Ibaka gone, Marcus All gone. Right. So there's no front line. There's Aaron Baines now. Who's the backup? Right, Chris Boucher is not really. They got have, Alex Len. Yeah, he, they don't have that force in the middle like they. They did. don't have a force. You no. know, so it's it's gonna be tough. But uh, let's talk a little bit about free agency, man. Like you know, I seen obviously Fred Van Fleet signed that crazy four year eighty five million dollar deal, man. You know, and a lot of guys are getting that max. You know, mm-hmm. talk about that influx of you know the, the the rookie extension as well as the max contracts. You know, I mean, I feel like the max contracts are a result of, you know. 40, 40% of the NBA teams are irrelevant. They are. And so Charlotte, um, Chicago, Detroit, New York, um, there's so many. Memphis, there's so many you can name that are you know irrelevant. So the only way they can keep any talent is to give a max. And you know that's why some guys take less contracts to go to L.A. or to go to Houston or to wherever. Um, so I think that's a, that's what the result of this max is, is like, we got to keep people like, I don't think Gordon Hayward deserved the money he got. I was, I was about to say, I think the only organized, well, I could even say that about the Raptors too. I think they're the only organization in the NBA that overplays players. Cause let's be real, right? If you're looking at total market value, like a guy like Chris Boucher, amazing, phenomenal player, but is he worth $14 million NBA market wise, market value wise? Probably not. I mean, but it it, depends on the franchise. You know, you send a guy like Ibaka, like we just mentioned, two years, $19 million. And then you have a guy in, you know, Boston who has a one, a five year, $195 million deal and a star player, right? So, you know, like you said, it's, you know, it's it's all about where the market is right now. But a lot of these um, franchises are going over the salary cap. Yeah. Right. And like you talked about, you know, the Knicks in these teams and not being able to compete. And, you know, that's their unique selling point, mm-hmm. you know. So what do you think about the Western Conference? You, you talked a little bit about the Lakers. I like Denver. I like Denver a lot. I think they're going to re-up. You know, they lost Jeremy Grant. Do you know where he went? I believe he's in... No, I don't, no, I don't know, actually. Yeah, because I, I did see, like, a post of him saying, farewell, Denver. Yeah. He didn't say where he was going. So that's a big loss. Um, I think Michael Porter is going to step up. He yeah. should be starting. They signed Bull Bull. That boy should be playing. Mm-hmm. Bull Bull should be playing. Um, so I think I like Denver. Houston has such weird chemistry. Yeah. It's going to be weird to see what happens in Houston. Yeah, especially with um, Dan Tony out the window because I feel like he was that right fit. Like, you know, the whole uh, high-octane offense, 
James Harden being, you know, predominant the ball the ball handler as well as a scorer, and then just that running gun like run and gun playing style. So it's yeah. gonna be tough to now see. Obviously, you, you see a lot of friction with the whole organization and Dan Morley obviously over there in Philly, and then Dan Tony obviously up there in uh, Brooklyn. So, mm-hmm. like I said, man, Houston was that was actually my team in the Western Conference. So it'd be it's gonna be different to see how they react and especially where James Harden goes because that's a big mystery in itself, right? I don't think he's going anywhere. Really? No. You think he stays at Houston? I, I they, he's and the organization has said they're in no rush to to trade him. Like if they play horrible just by their own Houston, then that's to their detriment, right? Like yeah. next year's a contract year, so yeah, but he turned down that uh, max extension, though. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, he doesn't want to be in Houston. Doesn't mean he's has to be traded. Yeah, but like I said, in the NBA, sometimes guys just see how the I guess the media. Re- I think the media blows a lot of things out of proportion, mm-hmm. especially with the superstars. So we'll see. What do you think about um the Bucks and uh, Giannis? His extensions coming up or? No, he's out. You think he's out? Yeah, they didn't re. I mean, they got Drew Holiday, but they didn't re like. I, I actually, I mean, big up to them. They signed Nick Stauskas today. Yeah, for sure. I just seen that yeah. like an hour ago. So, I mean, they are kind of giving him the shooters that he kind of needed, but um, they showed it showed their weakness. Like, their weakness was they can't really score in a half-court offense. They can score, you know, if someone's running in from, you know, from half. But, like, when, they're, when the team is playing defense... You know they're going through long droughts without scoring. And that's yeah, an issue. It's, it's it's tough, but I feel like um, Giannis, like I said, he just has to continue to excel and play at that MVP caliber level, like he's been doing the last two seasons, right? Mm-hmm. And I honestly think he's worth every penny that he'll be getting if he resigns. So yeah. it's definitely gonna you know be interesting to see how things unfold with that. But um, for you, do you like this this era of basketball in the NBA or more of the old school era? I mean. It's hard for me to say. Uh, I feel like players are coming and going fairly quickly, way more now. Like guys who were studs two yeah. years ago, like Demarcus Cousins. Yeah. Right. Like I just feel like um, the the league might might be just more fickle, or maybe there's just more talent to choose from. Um, you know, I do I do like this era. I miss Kobe, man. Kobe's yeah. Kobe's my guy, and yeah. um, you know, I if I had to choose an era, it'd be like you know when Kobe was playing. You know, that was a fun time for me. You know, I was younger, right? So it was yeah. way more exciting. Kobe when pre pre Afro, or I mean, even when Kobe started, like okay. that was ninety five. I was, you know, I was starting grade nine when when Kobe got drafted in ninety six. Yeah, yeah, I was starting grade nine, and so you know, that was crazy. Like yeah. Iverson, yeah, I wanted to be Allen Iverson. Yeah. I wanted to be Ray Allen. I wanted yeah. to be Kerry Kittles and yeah. like KG and like, like it was it was bananas. Um, so, you know, I guess, I mean, if I had to say an era, it's that era. This era, you know, it's a lot more about either being a super athlete or being a three-point shooter. Like, it's, it's there's yeah, no the kind of, there's yeah, no kind of in, in between. between. Yeah, and the, the, the league, like, the purity of the league now is a little bit, like, younger. I feel like back in the day, if you were, like, Kobe coming in, you're playing with grown men. Because mm. Kobe came, he was drafted at 17 years old, and he has grown men, Eddie, Eddie Jones, Nick Van Exel, and, like, these men as teammates so yeah. now that you look you know 20 plus years later it's like a younger league um a lot more camaraderie with the super teams i don't think it's as competitive mm-hmm. um and just the way the league is structured now you know i think you know like anything you know there's always before you can rebuild you got to destroy right and yeah. i feel like now it's 
It's more about, you know, the other things that, you know, basketball leads to uh, business opportunities and franchise expansions and stuff like that. Which it should be. I think it should be more like that the players are realizing that this is a platform, but also like an opportunity to move on to something else. Mm -hmm. I think it's good that, you know, like big up to Randy Rose, you know, like someone talking, talk about like providing opportunities to players. Like he's providing, you know, education and like uh, opportunities for players to invest in interesting technologies that, you know, they never had from someone, you know, who knows where they're from, who knows what's up on both sides of the game. So, you know, he's making that bridge a lot easier. Um, but yeah, like you're right. Like I, you know what? I feel like the death of the game died with the pull-up jump shot, you know, like the mid-range jump shot. Mid-range. Think about all the guys who are like astounding at mid-range. Jordan, like Bird, Kobe, Ray Allen, T-Mac. Allen Iverson, T-Mac, T-Mac, one dribble, pull. Like, Mellow, right? Mellow. Mellow. And so like, I feel like when that died and it became like, you have to shoot a three yeah. or you have to get a layup or a dunk. Yeah. Like, you know, I feel like this, there's a certain skill level that, you know, you know, you talk about Eddie Jones, like he was a master of that. Latrell Sprewell, you know, those guys, you know, they had a different, for a two guard, they had a very different skill set than some of the two guards right now. Yeah. Yeah. So, like even, but I would give it up like DeRozan, he, you know, he has a legit... Mid-range. like that type of game but like that's a skill set that's kind of missing yeah and i feel like a lot of people won't get um their flowers with the mid-range game just because of where the game is now yeah you know what are your thoughts on adam silver and what he has done to elevate the nba during you know in midst of the global pandemic as well as uh, social justice matters i mean i give i give if you're going to talk about social justice i give adam silver credit uh for you know making certain statements but it was, I found it a lot, like, very rudimentary. It was just, like, very entry-level solutions mm-hmm. that, like, you know, the NFL's not willing to do. MLB's not willing to do. Yeah. They're all too white, right? But, you know, he was willing to do that. So I do give him credit. But there was, I feel like there was a lot more could have been done. Um, you know, they're making billions of dollars. If you're going to talk about, like, playing in the pandemic, I think, you know, I, I saw this documentary about the bubble and how it was operating. It was a fine-tuned vehicle like honestly like how these players are getting tested quarantined if you're tested positive you know they had a few mishaps with people kind of leaving um didn't didn't lou will go to atlanta to the strip club yeah lou will yeah he left to get uh chicken wings yeah shout out to lou will (laughs) six man so i do give him props for that but um you know it's an interesting time we live in in terms of like how how intertwined social issues are becoming with entertainment and sports it's a great thing we need more leaders in those areas who are speaking for everyday people you know i have friends who hate on lebron james and i'm just like forget him being like one of the most dominant nba players there's not a scratch on that boy's resume and he's provided so many opportunities to people like it's crazy. Especially like, in the minority community. That's exactly the what inner I mean. City. So, like, you know, I think it's an important time to be an athlete and to, to speak up about some of those things. Like, you know, when the season wasn't on and there were protests, you know, Malcolm, you see a Malcolm Brogdon. Jalen Brown. Exactly. Sterling, Sterling Brown as well. Yes. Yeah. A lot of the guys were really, you know, utilizing their platforms and elevating their voices for people that um, voices are not being heard. So, like I said, it's, it's, it's an interesting time for sports, but I really like how a lot of players are speaking up and, you know, they actually made a social justice foundation with like Carmelo Anthony and stuff like that. So I guess they will be more hands-on and in the field with policies and stuff like that, which is uh, tremendous. So 
Uh, and I mean, so, yeah. and so, just sorry, just to add no. to, I mean, like the, some of the guys have a direct pipeline to Obama who has a direct pipeline to Joe Biden, right? And so mm. like, you know, that's an important connection to have like uh, Barack Obama knows LeBron James and yeah. Maverick Carter and, you know, yeah. Carmelo and D Wade. And, yeah. you know, he knows those guys who are, you know, f- you know, at the front line. So I think it, like that whole thing is like really nice to see. I'm super, you know, as a father, as a minority male, I'm so happy that this Trump era is over. Yeah. Um, it was absolutely toxic. And like, I'm just really looking forward to, you know, smoother sailing in terms of like the U.S. politics. Absolutely. Destroy before you rebuild, man. Like they always say, right? So now we're going to turn to something we do here on the podcast, which is called Quick Hitters. Sure. So I'm just going to, you know, ask you some rapid questions and you kind of answer. And so first I'm going to talk to you about top five sports teams of all time. Your top five. Okay, they, I mean, they'll have to be all basketball. Um, okay. Yeah. No, sorry. Uh, I'm going to scratch that. Uh, so the uh, the 96, 97 Bulls, um, Kobe and Shaq Lakers. Which, which, which year, bro? Um, I can't think of the years off the top of my head. They did a 3 P. remember? Yeah. yeah. I can't remember the years they did that. Um the 2008 New York Giants, they beat the page, one of the only teams to beat 2000 the page. And eight New York okay, Giants. Okay, with um, Manningham. Manning, yeah. Manningham. That's when uh, Plaxico Burris caught it like yeah. this on his Manningham, helmet. Manningham, Victor yeah. Cruz. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, uh, they, yeah, they beat the, the Patriots in the, that was so sweet. Yeah. Um, I would say, um, wow, this is an interesting question. Yeah. I would say um, the North Carolina team with, Vince Carter, Antoine Jameson, really, Ed Coda. They they didn't win that year, huh? No, but that was a fate. Like in North yeah. Carolina, is my team. Okay, so that team, um, I guess another one. Um, yeah, maybe the Boston Celtics with Ray Ray and uh, so o- KG. O- o- yeah. Okay, so you got 08 Celtics. You got ninety six, ninety seven Bulls. Yeah. Two thousand, let's say two thousand, two thousand three Lakers. Yeah. 2008 Giants yep. and North Carolina. Yeah, with Vince Carter, Antoine Jameson. Okay, Carter, yeah. that's what's up. Okay, top five rap hip hop albums of all time. Okay, don't 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 quote me on this. Uh, <laughs> You're about to lose some stripes right here, yeah. bro. Do mixtapes count? <laughs> nah, bro. Albums, bro. Yeah, yeah, it's from your generation, bro. Um, Illmatic. Oh, you're a Nas fan? Yeah. I'd say so. Chronic 2001. Um, Red Man, Muddy Waters. Um, what a, was, is this, what a Time to Be Alive a mixtape? Yeah, it's a mixtape. Streaming era. Take I think. care. I'll I'd say th- take care. Okay, cool. And I'll say late registration. Late registration, so yeah. Kanye's second project. Yeah. Okay, that's a that's a nice that's a nice solid five. I like yeah. um obviously Illmatic, one of the greatest hip hop um projects of all time, as well as the Chronic. Mm-hmm. That G Funk era was yeah was different. But the two thousand and one man, it brought it, it brought a, it was like the G Funk era was yeah. good, but like the two thousand and one, like the beats were crazy. Like no one was doing yeah what Dre was bringing that, and like it was him, Scott Storch, like yep. a bunch of those guys. So yep. shout out um, to Jimmy Iovine over there at Interscope yeah. too. Yeah. Uh, top five sneakers or shoes of all time, bro. Yeah, Jordan One, Jordan Three, Jordan Eleven, Air Max, and uh, 
these Nike Roadrunners I just got. Jeez, so you're a Nike guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Really? I don't really buy much else. I mean, I bought a few Adidas back in the day, some Gazelles, mm. uh, uh, like some Stan Smiths and stuff. But yeah. um, for the most part, it's been, yeah. Okay, that's what's up, bro. That's a solid rotation. I thought you were going to add in some Pumas over there, some Clydes. No. I thought no. you were going to get some Reeboks over there. No. Some Air Force Ones. They were too big and clunky, man. Yeah, so you're a classic, man. Yeah. Okay, okay. I can respect that, bro. Okay, so um, the last thing we do here when we end on our podcast is, you know, a message to your younger self. So if you were to give a message to yourself 15 or 20 years ago, what would that message uh, look like? I mean, 20, you go to, fuck, 20 years ago, man. I would, I would, uh, I would tell myself to... Um, I was so focused on basketball, you know, back then that the, this whole business entrepreneurial spirit wasn't in me back then. I, I would I would knock some sense in me and put some of that into me and, you know, really teach. I would teach that young boy how to execute because execution, you know, thinking of an idea is one thing, but being able to take an idea and make it to something you know i give you a lot of props for what you're doing with this like this was an idea right appreciate it and um you know you and i bounce a lot of ideas around but like you know i give you that time um because i know you know how to execute on that and so that's an important skill i think i wish i learned at a younger age yeah for sure bro and you're doing it now you know and um like i said i always like the fact that i can you know reach out to guys like you that are still in the basketball community and doing things in the creative space and you know get that insight you know and now it's up to me, like you said, to kind of execute and then pay it forward for the next generation coming up. Yeah, man. I, I firmly believe that, you know, everyone needs someone, you know, 10, 15 years older than them, you know, just to give them some guidance. I have my mentors who help me. You know, I still mentor some of those kids from Metro Prep. And so, you know, and when they're like, yo, thank you so much. I'm like, yo, just make sure you help my kids. That's what it's about. And that's how you build the community is, you know, you you help people who then, you know, want to help your family. Because, you know, I, what I'm good, right? Yeah. It's my kids who, when they grow up and they're 25, they're going to need those, you know, those people older than them to provide opportunities for them and give them the game. Yeah, especially, it's like you said, it's big for the minorities, you know, because yep. we're outnumbered, you know what I mean? So we got to, like, unite, like I used to say, like, strength in numbers, you know? So we got to come together and kind of provide those opportunities and pass those, you know, those uh, stools down, you know what I mean? So we can get you know, pass a lot of the, the traumas and challenges that we face. You know what I mean? For sure. Yeah, bro. So you heard it from the OG himself, Swiss Kings. Thank you for coming by yes, on our sir. platform, man. Hope you guys check it out. Next week, we'll be dropping on Thursday, as well as on our Instagram. Follow us at our Culture Conversation for ex exclusive news and content. Checking out here on Culture Conversation. I'm your host, Twin GQ. Peace.